Hello, welcome to Out of Curiosity. It's our podcast where we try to bring biblical clarity for modern questions, modern issues, and frequently in uh, classes here at our church or kind of in the, the body of Christ here at our church, uh, when, whenever you put something uh, on a screen or you read a passage, uh, oftentimes it doesn't line up with what people have in their Bible. And the question goes as follows. Uh, what are the different translations? Why are they different? And how do I know which one is accurate? What is even the difference between uh, these translations? NIV and ESV and NASB and KJV. And so, so Nick, what's the difference between the translations? And yeah. which one is right? Which one's right? That's, that's what we really need is just to give you a, a yeah, translation. Which, one is of right? which one's right? Hey, the reason there's so many translations is because translation's hard. Uh, you know, one proverb says that the translator is a traitor. Uh, the minute you move something from one language to another, you betray what it originally said. It cannot be done. Every language is different. And so there is no such thing as a word-for-word, accurate, perfect translation. Um, and it, So you have different philosophies and approaches to try to capture a good translation. And we're really blessed in English because we have so many. We have so many options. So many, many languages just have their one translation with all of its beauties and all of its flaws, and that's what they have. But we, we have a, a plethora of different translations that, that helps us to, uh, to get at what the original languages were saying. So to kind of illustrate, there's, there's a couple of illustrations you can do to just to help see how not straightforward translation is. And so a, a lot of us around here learned some Spanish in high school in our, our classes or else we grew up speaking Spanish. And so one of the first sentences you learn is como te llamas, which means... What's your name? What's your name? I remember. But the words are, if I was doing a word-for-word translation, como is a question word meaning how. Mm -hmm. Te is a reflexive pronoun, yourself. And llamas is the the verb to call. Mm -hmm. So if I was translating that word-for-word, it would be how do you, how do yourself you call? Or even if I was willing to move the word order around, I'd say... How do you call yourself? And it's a jump in translation to say, what's your name? It is. It's a huge jump. It's nonsense English to say, how do you call yourself? That Mm -hmm. that doesn't make any sense to an English speaker. So when I change it from como te llamas to what is your name, I've changed the question word from how to what. I've changed the verb from call to is. Mm -hmm. I've added the word name, which is nowhere in the sentence, Mm -hmm. to make it how we would say it in English. So what you can see there is that you have to make some choices as a translator. How are you going to take this idea when if I go just word for word, if I just plug in words, here's the Greek word, what's an English word? Here's a Greek word, what's an English word? I would get nonsense English that would not, it would not be accurate. Right. That would be a lie. It would not be accurate to translate Komotayamas as how do yourself you call. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't make any sense. And so there are basically two philosophies among the major translations on how you handle these issues. One, they typically call formal equivalence. And what formal equivalence means is they want to maintain the grammar and the form of the sentence as much as possible and it be understandable. So for a sentence like Komotayamas, they might say something like, what do you call yourself? Now that's still not normal English, but it's understandable English. Right. If I said, what do you call yourself? Oh, my name is, my name is Garland. That's how you'd respond. And so I think. And so, but if, if the, the dynamic equivalence says, how much of the form do we have to change to make it clear? So on the one hand, you have formal equivalence. Formal. Trying to be as grammatically 
tight with yes. the original. And the opposite of that, or the other idea might be dynamic equivalence. Dynamic equivalence, which says we are okay changing the form of the sentence to convey the meaning clearly. Mm-hmm. So it would be a dynamic equivalent translation to translate Komotayamas into what is your name. Mm-hmm. That, that you're making a shift there. Um, and so that's the question. So you have grammar. You have to ask the question of grammar. You also have questions of uh, word meetings, individual words. The idea, one of the things that is just kind of laughable to me is when people say this word literally means this. No word literally means anything. What does the English word key mean, literally? Well, it literally means a tool for unlocking things. It also literally means a group of musical notes that go together. Mm-hmm. And it also literally means the uh, most important thing to understanding a puzzle. And so those are all literal meanings of the word key. They're all meanings of the word key. One is not more the meaning than another. And so uh, when you're translating, the idea that there is one meaning of the word that happens every time simply is not true. Mm-hmm. You have to find words in context. And so, um, but if you have a formal equivalence, they want as much as possible to translate one word the same every time. Because they want you to see, just like if you were reading the Greek or Hebrew, you would see that word occur over and over again. They want you to have as close to that experience as you can. Whereas a dynamic equivalence goes, no, 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 what does it mean in context? We're more okay with the individual words changing over and over again. So if these are our two strategies, formal on the one hand and dynamic on the other hand, Where do, all the, where do all the initials fit in? Yeah, so yeah. all the NASs and NIVs and NLTs, where, yep. put them on a spectrum for me. So if you have your formal equivalence translations, the one are trying to stick to the form of the Greek and Hebrew as much as possible. Your big ones are the King James Version is more formal equivalence and the update of it called the New King James Version. Uh, the Revised Standard Version, which is really an update of the King James. So you have King James Revised Standard Version and the New Revised Standard Version, and you have the ESV, the English Standard Version, and then probably the most formal equivalent translation on the market is the New American Standard Bible. So those are kind of your your big formal equivalence translations. Again, they're the King James, the Revised Standard Version, the English Standard Version, and the New American Standard. Those are your four big formal equivalents. And then on your dynamic equivalents, uh, the big names out there, the NIV is the big name of dynamic equivalence. You also have the NET, the New English Translation, uh, the Christian Standard Bible, the New Living Translation, and several more like that. Now, something that goes even further would be a paraphrase. And a paraphrase um, is even more loose with trying to find at a higher level, not just with individual phrases, how would you say this, but even at sentences and paragraphs, how would we re-say this in English? So that would be like the message and some other things like that, which have their place and their value. But that's kind of the spectrum uh, that you have and some of the big names that you see out there. Any advice you give for students of the scriptures? You know, I think because we are blessed with the spectrum, I think it's really valuable to have one formal equivalence translation and one dynamic equivalence. So my standard I tend to use a lot are the NIV and the ESV. Um, I do my morning devotions in the NIV. Mm-hmm. That is, that is my Bible that I read when I'm sitting down to have a quiet time because uh, it, it reads really smoothly. You know, a great example for me for when I really fell in love with the NIV again, I was sharing the gospel with a non-believer, a college-educated non-believer, and I opened the ESV, which is a great translation, but as I was reading, I was looking at this person's eyes and they did not understand the English I was saying. So I found myself regularly paraphrasing the ESV mm-hmm to make sense to to somebody who didn't know their Bibles. 
And I went, goodness, I have to start carrying an IV. It just reads more uh, common sense. However, I have found that whenever I'm doing really detailed study of the text, there's so many places that I really like having the formal equivalents, either an ESV or a New American Standard Bible. And so, especially as people are reading on their phones and that sort of thing, um, it's just really, it's really easy to get a hold of both. You can get a paperback for $5 of each. I would say have one good dynamic, one good formal. Um, the NIV or the NET would be really good dy uh, dynamic. ESV or New American Standard, really good formal. Have them and compare, because one of the greatest Bible study tools is when they read exactly the same, it's probably pretty straightforward. When you see they're really different, there's probably something really interesting going on there, and that's a place to dig in a little more and try to understand what's happening. Well, that's incredibly helpful. Uh, thanks for clarifying, clearing a lot of that up for us. Uh, this has been Out of Curiosity. It's our podcast where we hope to bring biblical clarity to uh, modern questions. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discuss why the Bible has so many different translations. We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in Scripture at 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, 1 Peter 1, 20 through 21, and Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. And we also recommend the book How to Choose a Translation for All It's Worth by Gordon Fee and Mark Strauss. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.